pray once more for the blessing of God's word upon us. Lord, we pray that the word may indeed be of a lamp to our feet, light to our path this evening again, that your spirit who inspired your word may uh, illumine our hearts, that we may receive what's read, ministered in such a way that we would respond in praise now and, and wherever it is to which you've uh, called us to be, uh, that we might show forth throughout our lives that every part of it is to be in praise of you. For the sake of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Tonight, we're going to be taking a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and read verses there from 12 to 24. And we do that to shed light on our confession this evening from Belgian Confession 25. Uh, last time that we were together, we looked at 22, and we could have looked at 23 also. The adult, both of those are dealing with justification, but I wanted to move us along, if we could, then to sanctification and visit on that matter in Article 24, Man's Sanctification and Good Works. We're going to look at that from page 80 in the back of the hymnal. But first of all, we're going to take a look at the scriptures and read from this portion, this tail end portion of the first letter to the Thessalonians, starting with verse 12, chapter 5. Find that on 1257 in the few Bibles. God's word says to us there, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Thank God for this portion of his word. We want to respond to it, looking to the Belgian Confession and the confession that the Church of Jesus Christ makes about sanctification and good works on article, in Article 24. And if you want to follow there, it's on page 80 and 81 in the blue hymnal. And there it says, We believe that this true faith, which wrought in man by the hearing of the word of God and the operation of Holy Spirit regenerates him and makes him a new man, causing him to live a new life and freeing him from the bondage of sin. Therefore, it is so far from being true that this justifying faith makes men remiss in a pious and holy life, that on the contrary, without it, they would never do anything out of love to God, but only out of self-love or fear of damnation. Therefore, it's impossible that this holy faith can be unfruitful in man. For we do not speak of a vain faith, 
but of such a faith which is called in Scripture a faith working through love, which excites man to the practice of those works which God has commanded in his word. These works, as they proceed from the good root of faith, are good and acceptable in the sight of God, for as much as they are all sanctified by his grace. Nevertheless, they are of no account toward our justification, for it is by faith in Christ that we are justified, even before we do good works. Otherwise, they could not be good works any more than the fruit of a tree can be good before the tree itself is good. Therefore, we do good works, but not to merit by them. For what can we merit? Nay, we are indebted to God for the good works we do. And not he to us, since it is he who worketh in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let us therefore attend to what is written. When you have done all the things that are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which it, what it was our duty to do. In the meantime, we don't deny that God rewards good works, but it is through his grace that he crowns his gifts. Moreover, though we do good works, we do not found our salvation upon them, for we can do no work but what is polluted by our flesh and also punishable. And although we could perform such works, still the remembrance of one sin is sufficient to make God reject them. Thus then we would always be in doubt, tossed to and fro without any certainty, and our poor consciences would be continually vexed if they relied not on the merits of the suffering and death of our Savior. Again, we want to thank God for his word, the truth of his word. May they be a blessing to us tonight. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we noticed that uh, we not only noticed, we experienced some frigid temperatures, and some of those frigid temperatures were up in Alberta as well, where we have some family. And uh, they sent us a note and said, you know, if, it, if uh, we're not careful up here, the, the powers that be said we might be getting power outages because there is so much. Uh, cold weather that's requiring so much power that we may not have enough to, to run the essentials in your communities. And uh, that uh, it never happened, thankfully, but imagine what a havoc that would have been to so many people who were dependent on electric or electronic equipment uh, to hear those kind of things, to, to know that that was going on, all that equipment though that, that they had and all the benefits that came from it. Uh, would do them no good unless they had that power source uh, from which they could draw. Well, we speak, we speak rightly that, that we're not uh, on a spiritual plane, uh, that we're not justified before God by what we do. That's true enough. But it would be easy to flow from that and say, but we are sanctified by what we do. And yet we often say that it is God who begins a good work in us and sees it to completion. It's God who who predestines, who elects, who, who, who calls, who regenerates. Uh, he's the one who glorifies. And uh, we recognize that that all belongs to him. And he's the one that carries these things out actively. But are we to say then that we sanctify? 
It's not hard to say that the good things that we do, it's not that hard to think that the good things that we do are because of us. We do it. So aren't we the source of it? But, but the root of what we do well is found in the very same sovereign, saving, gracious God through whom we're justified in Jesus Christ. Sanctification? Well, God sanctifies us. This is what we hear about. Just as he justifies us and he glorifies us. Better for us to say that we're sanctified by grace or by faith, just like we're justified by faith rather than saying that we're sanctified by works because we can sanctify, who can sanctify and who can make holy say for God himself. So we want to consider the truth tonight uh, that we are sanctified by faith and, and see it as a gracious work of God in our lives and a transforming work of God in our lives. So first of all, let's focus our attention on the fact that sanctification is a work of God's grace. Our confession of faith says that true faith regenerates a person and makes a new person, causing him to live a new life and uh, frees him from the bondage of sin. Now when we hear that, we may think the confession is saying that faith comes before a regenerate heart. But the confession is not trying to deny that the, the Spirit of God uh, doesn't need to be uh, at work in a person's heart in order to believe. That's not what's being talked about here. Its point is that when one has a faith in Jesus Christ, a true and living faith, uh, such faith is at the root of a sanctified life that follows. Uh, without that faith, uh, a new life can't be lived. Uh, that's that's still the question arises, though. But, but from where does that faith come, and and from from that that root that's at the new life's uh, expression? And we know from Scripture, and as we've seen before, that such is in the realm of grace. Faith is in the realm of grace, and that 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 such faith that views Christ as the only way by which one is justified. Uh, is also that same uh, faith that springs forth as a gracious gift of God. And so that, that faith, such faith as a gift from God, is not going to be, by its very nature, since it came from God, it isn't going to be vain, and it isn't going to be uh, lifeless, and it's not going to be false. Uh, there are those kind of faiths, we realize that. Faith for the wrong things. Faith for the wrong reasons. We hear about that here too. That the motivation of, of people's works stems from that which is self-motivating, self-love, uh, uh, fear of damnation, wrong motivations that way. Uh, and, and there's people who have phony faith. They, they do it for the wrong reasons because they want other people to like them or who knows what. But, but once some, what some say though is that if you have a faith that is only relying, is relying strictly on the righteousness of Jesus Christ to justify you, well, then people come out of the woodworks and they say, well, you know, that kind of faith is in itself callous. It's cold, it's lazy, and it's indifferent. Because then, automatically, it seems, uh, if that's your mentality, automatically it must mean that you're thinking, well, then who cares what I do? 
I'm relying all on Jesus. I'm not going to rely on, uh, I'm, I'm going to rely on him alone, which means I don't have to care what I do. A callous faith to make a casual and cheap kind of confession. You know, let's sin all the more that grace will abound. In other words, if Christ alone saves me from my sin, then let him save me from as many sins as possible. That way God's grace can be magnified in me. But like the person who believes in the wrong person or holds the wrong religion or professes faith uh, for the wrong motivations, that kind of a faith would be phony, wouldn't it? It'd be false. It would be lifeless. It wouldn't be like our passage would say, it, it, it wouldn't be holy faith. Our confession says holy faith. It's not true faith. If you have a true faith, then, then you have a faith, of course, that both trusts unto justification and loves unto sanctification. The same true faith by which we receive justification in Jesus Christ is what God uses to bring about sanctification in a person's life as well. It's all of the same. And it's a, a, a very lively, and it's a very uh, true and very holy faith. Such faith that really trusts in Christ for justification cannot be fruitless faith. The reason is because that faith is, is like a branch, as we even hear, that's connected to a tree or a vine or a body part that's connected to the head. It's, it's alive. It's going to be productive. It's going to be fruitful. It's going to be substantive. It's going to be something that is active. It's going to be carrying out the purpose for which it was connected in the first place. Faith that trumps, then, is faith that works through love. Faith does both things. It receives unto justification, but it also acts in sanctification. But, who's the one that works this faith? Now we may be hearing ourselves saying, well, I'm the one who works the faith. I'm supposed to work out my salvation with fear and trembling, right? But yes, but it's as one who understands that... Uh, we understand who's at work in us. Who's at work in us? It is God who is at work in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. We look at our passage and we see all these sorts of callings that are there, don't we? Uh, we hear callings about how we are supposed to, in essence, grow in our sanctification. When you read through Thessalonians, so much of that is that way, isn't it? It's talking about how you and I need to be growing in our sanctification. We're supposed to do this more and more, and that more and more. And, and Paul writes earlier and often that way, that, that he has been doing much in the way of giving thanks for all the things he sees the Thessalonians doing, but then he calls them to do them all the more. He doesn't call them to rest on their laurels. He doesn't call them to stay where they're at. He calls them to keep running. It's that continuing debt to love, to grow together in peace, uh, it's to honor those in church leadership, in love, to be at peace with each other, to, to warn and to comfort and to support, and to, to be patient and to, to show no vengeance and to go after what's good and to take joy in the Lord always, especially in the praise of God. 
uh, to find oneself to be praying constantly, to giving thanks in all circumstances as those who know who's in charge, to be discerning and, and, and not to despise what, what God tells us through his word. But those callings to grow in those ways do not end there. It can't end there. Why can't it not end there? Well, the apostle knows, as he himself asks for prayer himself, uh, that no one is sufficient to these many things that he has mentioned. How can we do all this? And how can we continue to do all these things? Well, just like a, a phone isn't going to function without a power or a laptop or a washing machine, uh, neither can any of us carry on in the things to which we've been called without the power of God. That's why we cherish each other's prayer. That's why we ought to find ourselves praying. It's partly why the apostle makes the prayer that he does at the end of this passage. May the God of all peace, who has called you to peace, who has established peace, who has prospered you with peace between him and uh, his gracious recipients through Jesus Christ, may he sanctify you completely. May he. The one who is faithful will do it. Now, without the power, the grace, and the faithfulness of God, not without his ability, his willingness, not without first knowing Christ in faith, could we ever seek to be the thing that the Lord has called us to be. Here's why we pray for the Lord's help in these matters. Here's what keeps us from getting big heads about ourselves and what we've been able to do in this life. And here's why faith in Jesus Christ is so important after all. Real change in a person's life doesn't happen, and, and truly, truly good things don't happen through people unless God's grace is at work in the first place. Unless people have come to know what grace truly is in their lives. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Who alone makes us right with God. But also through whom, by God's grace alone, we can be the things that God wants us to be through faith in Jesus Christ. And that spills us over into our second point here. And that is that... We spill over from viewing sanctification through faith in Jesus Christ as a gracious act of God to a transforming work of God. Because these callings in our passage presume a calling to live a different way than the world, but also, at the very least, a progression in the way that we're living as a Christian. Which really means a different way than what we have been living could mean that as, as a Christian, these things have been happening to an extent, but, but they need to be happening, like the Apostle would say throughout the letter, they need to be happening more and more. Or, or they could be things to which people are, are called to be living as Christians that are completely different than the way that they have been living before. Maybe they've, they've been discerning, but, but they need to be more that way. Or maybe they were never discerning at all, or very discerning. Maybe they've been thankful sometimes, but, but they, need to, to, they need to be more grateful. They need to be able to express gratitude more in the situations where they find themselves. Or, or maybe they were never the grateful type. And, and that's a, that would be a sad thing, of course, because that's 
part and parcel of what we're to be as Christian people. Maybe they were people who were supportive of others, and, uh, but they need to, to be that way even more. Or maybe they just worried about themselves. And maybe they were honoring those who deserved honor, or maybe they, sh they never showed honor at all. They didn't appreciate that. Maybe they held grudges or were resentful. Be all kinds of things that way. But one way or another, there's this call to obedience, holiness, sanctified, sanctified living that's, that's part of the challenge of life, isn't it? It's part of the, the in a sense, it's the joy of life for us that we can keep moving forward. We can keep seeking to look in ourselves and say, well, how can I be more what the Lord would have me be? Or be more of what the Lord has called me to be? To be more of the word and less of the world. To be having that happen on a holistic level, as the apostle would also say as he prays, that the God of peace would, would sanctify you through and through, body, spirit, and soul. You know, just underscoring the, that holistic mentality of, of being more what the Lord would have us be. Our confession reminds us of the the change that's revealed uh, in increasing fashion when it says that the attitude of the new heart is one in which one is not motivated by self-love or self-preservation, but love for God and what God has done in His grace. Transformation is what is the fruit of God's work of sanctification. And Paul gives us two particular goals for sanctification, one that is near-term and one that is long-term in our passage. One goal is peace, and the other is perfection. It's the God of peace that sanctifies. He sanctifies so that we may grow in peace within the church of Jesus Christ. Chapter 3 says that the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you, so that we, he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the same. The work of God within is a work in progress. It's a great way to live our lives, isn't it? To live with that sense of progression in mind. Because that's the work of God within. He who began a good work will see it to completion. It's ongoing. It's like a song that our children have heard maybe often when they were small. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Scripture reminds us that that, that transformation is happening all through our days. As we put off what's old, as we put on what's new. Throughout our days, we're, we're never at an end of this process. Uh, to be more like what God wants us to be. Life isn't about you know, all that we want God to make us to be so that we can have a good time. It's to be more like God wants us to be because life's about Him and not about us. And that reminds us too, you know, when I'm thinking about the, uh, our, our dealing with our children too, right? Uh, it's, it's a good thing when you hear children saying, we used to have this video that we used to have our children here and it was in the car too when we, we drove around and 
and then they were singing, these little children were singing, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And we have to keep that in mind with our children too, don't we? And our grandchildren, that uh, we got to be patient with them. That's not to say that we, we excuse everything they do because they're young, but, but we need to be reminded ourselves, thinking back in our own lives, where we were when we were that little, and realize that uh, we got to be patient with our young, as God has been patient with us. I'm saying that this morning too. Remember not of God the sins of long ago. We, we can go back and we can look nostalgically at things. And, and uh, you, you can do that when you get a little bit older, but and you see all the high top, but you can look at the low top thing and you think, oh, 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 you know, what I was like at that point. Oh, God was patient with me. How good that was. Oh, I need to be that way with my children. I need to be that way with my, my grandchildren, right? Because God is still working on them. But another goal of sanctification besides that progression that was the of peace is, is perfection. Sanctification is God working peace in our life, but it's also bringing perfection to our lives. It's a process, but it's also perfection. There's a completion coming. God begins a good work. He carries it out, but he carries it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Ultimate sanctification is waiting the people of God through and through, body, soul, and spirit, one's entirety. That's upcoming. That's at the end. You see, one of the things that is true about the process of sanctification is that it awaits the perfection of sanctification in glory. As it's defined in our passage, we hear the calling to be holy. We hear the call to live in increasing holiness before the Lord. We come to hear the truth that sanctification is a process. We're always putting off what's old. We're always putting on what's new. We're putting off, we're putting on and we're longing for the day of redemption. And we long for that day because, because in this life we know that we're not perfect. And we know that quite well if we're honest with ourselves. We go back to what John says, that if, if you think you're, you're without sin, you've deceived yourself, and, you, and the truth isn't in you. And we know we're not perfect in our struggle against sin. We know on the one hand that our faith is not meant to be dead. But we also know, on the other hand, that in this life, while we're, we're living the new life in Christ, sin still dwells within, doesn't it? As Christian believers, we hate that. We're frustrated by that. The sin that we would not do, we do. What I do, I do not practice. What I hate, that I do. Sin is dwelling in me. I, I still have to take it off. and I still have to put on righteousness. I still have to take off. I still need to put on. And all too often we're reminded, not just somebody else out there, but me. I am not perfect. And because I'm not perfect, my good will never save me. It'll never pass muster. It'll never justify me. It will never perfect me. And so should I despair then? And, and because of my continued imperfection? Well, we remember the confession, don't we? We would always be in doubt, tossed to and fro, without any, without, any, uh, without any certainty, and our poor consciences would be continually vexed if they relied 
not on the merits of the suffering and death of our Savior. Paul would say, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's, that's the last word. Right? Not my body of death, not my wretchedness. The last word is Jesus Christ our Lord. Remember, it's God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? It will also be God who will perfect you. Even as it is God who is sanctifying you. You see, we don't, we don't offer our good as those who are perfect. We offer our good as those justified. It's a difference. Awaiting our perfection, being sanctified by God. That's how life is. As one person has put it, God, not humans, will accomplish the grand purpose of complete holiness and blamelessness. What God started in calling, he finishes in glory. That's that golden chain. This is his gracious covenant promise. No longer corrupt or mortal. No more regrets or sinning. We, in our sin, are not always faithful. But God, in his righteousness and his goodness, is always faithful. We won't be. We can't be. But he can. And he will. He will surely do it. Because in Christ... We're no longer condemned. And he sees to that. And that very perfection for tomorrow is meant to encourage you and I today. It should encourage us on the one hand not to despair in our imperfections, but it should also encourage us all the more to strive against our imperfections. God uses his word that way through faith to to work his transforming power in us by his grace. And I pray that his work and grace and power and promises and, and his faithfulness may be at work in all of us tonight. All the more. So that God's sanctification may be seen at work in us. Before the throne of grace, before God, before others. And may that be so in light of his justification of us through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, it's good to be able to come to you again tonight and see how things are ordered so that our life can be in order, our life can be at peace. We're reminded, Lord, that we're not justified by our sanctification, we're we're reminded, Father, at the same time that our sanctification is not by our own doing. And it causes us, Lord, to see things in the proper scheme of things, the proper order of things. We see that we, we do what we do in light of the justification that you have provided for us in Jesus Christ. And, even, and we do this, Lord, out of a lively faith, a true faith that you have provided. And, Lord, we 
by that faith receive that justification in Jesus, but then act out our, our callings that you've given to us unto sanctification. But it is you who sanctify us. We were reminded that again tonight, through and through, calling us, Lord, to, to remember the peace that you've won for us in Jesus, calling us then to live in, in that orderly way, in all the ways that we can, as we've heard about in this passage. And to, to live in this way until that day that comes when uh, you will make all things new for us in Jesus. We're thankful for the peace we know in Christ. We're thankful for the perfections that come. And in the meantime, where we fight against our imperfections, may we not lose heart. May we not be as even the confession says, vexed uh, that way and tossed to and fro because we know of our imperfections, but that we would focus our attention on the perfection of Jesus and how his suffering and death has cleansed us from sin and that we might live then a life worthy of the gospel in that vein. May you accept our prayers. May you hear us as we pray in Jesus' name.